Wow, thank you for those kind words, especially the words of young man. Feeling less and less so. <laughs> My oldest is nine now. He's sitting in the front row today. So, but his name is Logan. <laughs> um, yeah, today is going to be good. As you may know or may not know, our pastor, Pastor Doug, just underwent knee surgery this last week. And so he's recovering, uh, and uh, the recovery process is um, painful at times. He's got some pain, but we know he's going to make it through because our God is good. So for the next six or seven weeks here, you guys get to hear the word of God from the likes of me, Pastor Will, Pastor Cameron Luft, and I think we have a guest speaker. But how many know that regardless of who is speaking like to you from the pulpit, it's the same God speaking the message. So it's going to be good. So for my little two-week series here that I have um, this week and next week, I want to speak on knowing, knowing him and trusting him. Know him, trust him. And how I came to, to this kind of came about from a conversation that I was having with my son one day. <laughs> pretty insightful little kid, and we were talking about um, why people do the things they do, like good or bad. Mostly he was, he was having questions, why, why do people, why do they do bad stuff? And I was like, well, it's probably because they don't know God, and if they knew God, they probably wouldn't do those things to hurt people, and he was asking things, you know, why do, why do people kill people, or why do people try to hurt people, or why do people steal, or lie, or cheat, or do all these things? And so we were having this, this conversation, and then he, he made uh, this statement, question, more of a statement than a question. He was like, um, how can people trust God if they don't know God? And I was like, Logan, you're right. They can't trust God if they don't know him because we don't trust things that we don't know anything about. And I want to, in these next couple of weeks, just introduce you to him as uh, much as I can. It is going to be brief, but I want to introduce you to him so that it would give you a taste of who he is so that you yourself can then dive into him more and know who he is more. In um, Exodus uh, chapter 3, Moses is being called by God to go back to Egypt to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, Moses is kind of questioning God and, and you know, kind of looking at himself and be like, you know, why are you using me? And, and then finally Moses is like, okay, but when I go, um, you know, what am I supposed to say? And he asks God in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 14, 14 it says, um, as Moses is asking, who should I say that you are when I go? It says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Meaning, God, I mean, he is who he is. And he is whatever you need him to be. Not whatever you want him to be. <laughs> He's not just a a marionette on strings that you'd be like, okay, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. No. But he is whoever you need him to be. And he, he knows 
what you need him to be. We need to get past the surface level with God. We need to get past, um, you know, just that, that, you know, how's the weather type conversation with him. Because you don't really know some or you don't really trust somebody until you actually really get to know them. And God wants you to go past that level of, of waking up in the morning and saying, God, bless this breakfast of mine. Bless my day. Okay, here we go. Now, he wants you to ask him and to, to bless things, but he wants you to know him more than that. More than, hey, bless my day, let's go. Or it's a nice day out. I, I always find it funny when you come to somebody you, you haven't really gotten the time to, to know that much. You're like, yeah, it's nice out, isn't it? Well, yeah, kind of stating the obvious there. <laughs> but God wants us to go a little bit deeper. If you really love him, you will take the time to get to know him. And the more you take the time to get to know him, you will trust him more. And the more you trust him, the happier you will be. Now, for myself, um, when I go to buy something, I don't just willy-nilly buy something. I don't know if anybody of you are, are like me, but when I go to, to make a purchase, whether big or small, actually, I do research on it. Like, I go through and, and find out uh, the different specifics about the product, what it does, and then I go through uh, the reviews. How many do shopping on Amazon? Yeah? Okay. How many go through, when you're going to buy some, how many go through the reviews on Amazon? You go, okay. Do you guys go after something that's rated two stars? I didn't think so. I don't either. That's like... Turn off number one, okay, skip to the next product. If I see something that's rated two stars, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to buy that. For myself, I, I go through, yeah, reviews, and not only, like, I don't automatically go to something that's even rated five stars necessarily, especially if there's, like, three reviews on it. Like, because like, oh, that just might be the three family members that started that company. Like, I'm not going to trust three reviews. No, I'm going to go to something that has many reviews, good reviews, and uh, then I'll make my decision off that. So recently, I was on Amazon, and I, I was uh, looking for a pillow. I, I needed a new pillow. Mine wasn't working properly. So I was doing research on pillows and I was looking at these different ones. I was like, okay, this one's rated this. This one says this. And I landed on this one that had 1,700 reviews. I was like, okay, that's quite a big sample size. And it's rated four and a half out of five stars. That's pretty good. So I started, but then I just didn't stop there at four and a half out of five stars. Then I dug a little bit deeper and was like, okay, now what do these people actually say who are giving it a good rating? What do they actually say about this? This pillow. So I, I went through and I clicked on some of these reviews. This one person says, hey, it's a good pillow for side sleepers. I was like, hey, that's great. I'm a side sleeper. So um, best pillow I've ever had, total keeper. It's like, okay, that's cool. Has a better quality foam than the rest. It's like, okay. Has, best, uh, has a down feel memory foam durability. So I'm like going through these reviews. And I was like, hey, these all sound good. But I didn't stop there. I don't know if you guys do this too, but I didn't just stop at the good reviews. I went to the bad reviews. Because you want to know what those, even if it be a few, you want to know what those few bad reviews are. So I went in, and I was like, okay, it's a good pillow, but it turned flat quickly. Okay. 
Um, it wasn't for me. Not thrilled. So some of the, like a lot of these bad ones were just, I don't know, kind of per- personal preference. Maybe they got the one bad egg. And so I weighed the good with the bad and um, I actually ended up buying the pillow. So if you guys want to know which pillow I bought, you guys can come talk to me afterwards. And I've been in, I've, uh, I've, I've liked it so far. Um, it's helped me uh, sleep better. But I didn't buy that until I knew what it was and that it was proven by other people's reviews and stuff, proven that it was good. Um, And I did my research on either side, good and bad. And I want to just share with you, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Because I want to go kind of dig in a little bit with you this morning into the reviews of the Bible, of who God is. We're going to read reviews today. So, first, I want to share with you um, of who God is, who he says he is, and who he's proven to be. First off, I want to share with you, God is, like uh, Dan said, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And to provide means make available for use or to supply it. How many know that God created the universe? It's all his. And it's his to give. And he wants to make it available to us. In Genesis uh, 22, 1 through 14, is the story of Abraham going to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And starting in verse 7, we're going to read, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called to that place the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. What a desperate situation to be in for you needing God to provide something for you. I've never been in a situation that desperate where I needed God's provision for, where it was life or death for my son. But Abraham was in that situation, and God came through. Exodus chapter 13, or chapter 16 Israel's in the wilderness, and they're grumbling, and they're complaining, and they're saying, why did you bring us out here to just starve us and let us die? Starting in verse 12, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, 
They said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. As much as they need. Notice that word. It doesn't say as much as they want. As much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. God supplied food for their need of hunger. Luke chapter 12, 22 through 31. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Not only does worry not add any time to your life, it actually takes time away from your life. Worry has been shown to um, cause physical stress on the body, which wears it down. Consider how the wildfire flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Keep your eyes on God. Seek him, and he will provide for your need. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And then Psalms 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Most of the time when we're thinking about God, our provider, we're thinking phys our, our physical side, but he provides in so many other ways. He can provide uh, emotionally for us. He can provide protection, direction, and on and on and on. I want you to research it and dive into his word and see it. For me, um, on, the, on the physical side, when um, we were getting ready to have a kid, Logan, when he was getting ready to be born, um, we were looking at our finances. And at, at the time, um, my wife had her full-time job and I had my full-time job and she was actually making more money than I, even though I had uh, a four-year degree and she only had a two-year degree. And it's like, that's not fair, God. What the heck? Like, <laughs> um, took a, a little bit of time for me to get over, over that. But, you know, it really doesn't matter how God wants to bless. Um, but so we were uh, in this time and she was getting ready to, we were getting ready to have our firstborn. And uh, we were looking at our finances and how it was divvied up and we are like, we really can't afford for my wife to not have a job. Like, I did not make enough um, for where we were at. And uh, so we were praying, God, you know, make a way somehow. And 
my wife learned about this possibility of being able to be a teleworker, working from home. Uh, same job, but able to work her hours from home. And so we were praying about it, and they were talking about it at her, her work, and things were moving slowly, and we're like, God, is this going to happen? It, it, it didn't look like it was going to happen. And then just as uh, she was about to come off of her maternity leave, they approved it. And she was able to work her, her time from home, making the same wage, and, um, and then still be able to be mom when she needed to be to, to Logan. And we were just like, wow, God, you're awesome. At just the right time, you made it go through. And then as we were getting ready to have our second kid, um, we were looking again at our finances, and it was pretty much the same situation. She was still making more than I was. And, and, uh, but I, I had kind of got over the, the fact that, you know, you know, I needed to make more. It didn't really matter. And, but we were praying, like, God, with two kids, we don't really see how this is going to work. She can't keep working 40 hours a week. This is going to be hard. And so we were praying, you know, that God would make another way, that he would give me a raise, that she'd be able to quit or however. We didn't know exactly how. And then we heard about this thing that she might be able to um, split her position uh, with another person, basically work part-time, still be able to work for home. So we're like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. So we, she asked her employers about it, and they, they talked it through, and they denied it. And we're like, oh, man, like, God – that would have been perfect. Why did, why, did, why did this not go through? And uh, we were kind of disheartened and dejected. And, but that not happening was actually a blessing because we had some financial things come up that year that we would not have been able to uh, do if she had went part-time. We needed her full-time salary to cover those financial costs that had come up that we didn't foresee. But God foresaw that they were coming, and he knew that we needed that extra income. And it was such a huge blessing. And then we were getting ready to have our third child. And again, we're starting to worry, like, how is this going to work? It's already hard to put in 40 hours with two kids. And so we were praying and just believing, God, again, we just asked that you would flip this, that that Jimmy would be making way more than I am and that maybe I'd have the chance to quit or whatever. And we actually heard, or she actually heard that her bosses started renegotiating without her asking them, renegotiating the, the part-time, the, the split um, position. And right before she came off her maternity leave when we were with our third kid, uh, they approved that. And so now she's working part-time from home, has time for her kids, and basically simultaneously as that happened, my place of employment was with doing a review of some of the positions at our work and comparing them to outside positions and if they were comparably uh, being um, compensated, and they found that some of them weren't, and my position had to be one of those, happened to be one of those that wasn't being compensated at the level that was being paid outside. And so they gave me, like, uh, it was like a 30 to 40% raise. And then about a year after that, I got a promotion, which was another 30 to 40% raise. 
So in about a year, year and a half's time, my wife got the part-time position working from home so she could still be mom, homeschooler, all those things, and God increased my salary by almost 100%. God provided for us in our time of need. And he did it in just the perfect timing every step of the way. Another thing that God is, is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Now, heal means to mend or repair. Mend or repair something. 2 Kings 20, 1 through 7. says, in those days, Hezekiah. Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. That is pretty bleak. A prophet comes up to you and says, mm, You're going to die. <laughs> Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day, from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs, which is like a paste. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Again, I told you, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. We're doing our reviews. We're going through the reviews. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. And while he was by the lake, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he felt, fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she got worse or grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered. And yet you ask, Who touched me? You've got to be crazy. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Then Jesus continues on to the um, synagogue leader's house and to his daughter, who is now dead in her bed. He took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talithia kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up, 
and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and this, at this, they were completely astonished. Then in Matthew 9, 1 through 8, I'll let you read it on your own, but this is the story where a group of friends brings their, their friend on a mat who's paralyzed, and Jesus uh, points to him and says, Son, your, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are like, how can you forgive sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus says, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier for the Son of Man to forgive sins or to say, get up and walk, but to prove to you that I am he who I say I am? He, sa- he points to the man and says, get up and walk, and he does so. And he jumps up, and he uh, starts worshiping God. When... Uh, so I'm just, yeah, trying to give you guys examples. I'm trying to give you guys lots and lots of reviews to show you that God is who he says he is. And when I was in youth ministry here, I remember one night we, uh, 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 during worship, we were worshiping, and, and one of our, our um, youth, one of our guys, he came in, and he was barely walking. Like, he was limping so bad, and and uh, he was in tears. It was, I don't know, something to do with his foot, his heel, something like that. And he comes over, and I'm asking him, you know, what's wrong? He's like, I don't know. It just hurts so bad. And he's, like, in tears because the pain is so bad, and he can barely limp along. And I was like, okay, well, we'll be praying, and we'll be believing that God is going to heal you. He's like, okay. And so we're sitting there in worship, and as we're worshiping, I just felt like the Holy Spirit tell me to go over and, and lay my hands on him and pray for him so that, so I did, I go over there, and I'm praying, and I'm believing, and as I'm praying, I'm like, God, I'm asking that not only by, uh, I'm asking that you would not only just allow him to walk, I'm asking that by the end of worship, Lord, that he would be jumping up and down and praising you, and so I prayed that, and I went back to worshiping, and you know, as I'm worshiping, I'm kind of glancing over to, you know, see if anything's happening, nothing's happening, I was like, okay, okay. I know you're going to do it, God. I know you're going to do it. Sometimes you have to believe even when you don't see results right away. Well, by the end of worship, as it's starting to die down, I look over again. And he's jumping up and down. (laughs) And he's worshiping God. (laughs) That was cool. In uh, So the term, our healer, Jehovah Rapha, in the word, in, in Greek, there's a word called sozo. It means, and it means restoring of spirit, soul, and body, and it is used 94 times in the New Testament. It is used as salvation. So not all, always is our healing a physical need. Sometimes it's a spiritual need. Hosea 14, 1 through 8, Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all your sins and receive us graciously that, he, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say to our gods to what our own hands have made, for in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. Come on, that's awesome. 
a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago now, I was, uh, was working out, something I like to do, try to stay physically fit. And I remember I was, I was going through this workout, and I was in the middle. I was praising God and worshiping God. I was like, God, thank you just for who you are. Thank you how far you've brought in me uh, spiritually. Uh, I love you so much more than, than I used to. And, and then I was like, God, I know that, you know, as I'm working out, I was like, God, I know that uh, the strength of my spirit is so much more important than the strength of my body. Um, but please don't take my physical strength away. <laughs> Well, about a month later, I was working out again, and I was getting ready to do some curls, you know, bicep curls. I don't know if you've ever worked out in a gym, but the, the term is for when you go to do when you, what are you working on today? Oh, I'm doing curls for the girls. I only do my curls for one girl now. have been for a while. I love her so much. She's uh, an amazing partner in this life with me and, and helping me. Um, with my walk with God, and that's my, my awesome wife. Um, but I'm getting ready to, to work out, and I remember I'm grabbing I grab the, the same amount of weight that I no- normally do, and I, I grab uh, these weights, and I go for it, and I'm just like, my right arm didn't move at all. I was like, that's interesting, and I tried it again. It didn't move again. So it's like, okay, let's drop down some weight. So I cut the weight down like 10 pounds, and I tried again. Didn't move again. I was like, okay, this is interesting. So then I dropped it all the way down to like 15 pounds, which is like super light for me. And I'm like, okay, let's try this again. And so I go for it, and I'm like, (sighs) and I barely got it up. I was like, okay, something is wrong. This is not just in my head. So I went to a, a doctor, and he's like, yeah, you have a bulge disc that's pinching a nerve that is cutting off the strength to your arm. I was like, wow. And in this time, I felt just like God say, you know, you said that it's more important for your spirit to be strong than, than your body to be strong. Let's see if you actually believe it. Over the course of about a year, it got better. God allowed healing to take place in my body, and I'm as strong as I've ever been now. There's no, no effects in this arm anymore. But in that time, God was doing so much more than a physical healing in me. He was doing a, a heart healing in me. And that's so much more important than your physical body is a heart healing because that's your spirit. Your heart is what's going to last forever. God is also called our comforter. God, our comfort. Comfort means to give strength or hope to. Psalms 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 66.13, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I have some more scriptures there that you guys can look up yourself. 
this was very true for, for me and my wife at one point. As I've shared before, we went through some miscarriages. That was really hard. And not only did God just bring his Holy Spirit to comfort us, but he put other people in our life that had been through it and had been walked through it by God and other people to help us walk through that also and to bring that comfort to us, which I, I don't know if we would have made it if God hadn't done that for us. But he sometimes lets other people walk through something to help them so that they can help other people, and he sometimes lets you walk through something so that in turn you can help somebody else walk through the same Comfort also means assistance or support. In the Greek, um, it means uh, the Greek word for comfort is paraclete, which means advocate, teacher, or consoler. And it's the name that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit when he said, hey, I'm going to leave for you when I go. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave paraclete, the advocate, the teacher, or the consoler. So it's not just, not just consoler. Not just somebody who comforts when we're in, in, in pain, but also, but also somebody who assists us, who guides us. God comforts us by guiding us. It's so comforting to me to know that I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have everything figured out. I can trust God that he's going to help me along the way. John sixteen thirteen. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all tr the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Acts 16, 6 through 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, paraclete, our helper, our guider, our assistant, will lead us to something. Sometimes he will lead us away from something or prevent us from doing something. It's so nice to know that he's watching out for us 100%. I remember one time, uh, the time when we were about ready to have a kid and we are like, I'm not making enough money. I got to find either another job. I, I mean, I got to find something that pays more. So I applied for a job and I got this interview at this company that was going to pay a lot more than I was making currently. And I'm sitting in this interview with this this guy and he's he's going over the position and I'm telling him um, all my qualifications and stuff and he basically says to me I'm going to offer you this job I was like wow that's pretty cool and it's 
pays a lot more and after about a year you'll probably get a raise and it's like wow this sounds really cool so i started asking him a little bit more about this position and um as like then I ask him, you know, how much how much work does like this entail? What's like the schedule and stuff like that? And he's like, well, working in this job, you're going to be working about 50 to 60 hours a week. And I was just like, okay, that's that's a lot. I work 40 hours a week now, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit say to me in that time, right in the middle of the interview, this is not what I have for you. And I was like. What do you mean, God, this pays so much more? This would answer all my problems right now that I'm facing. But he said, this is not what I have for you. So I pretty much flat out turned down the job right there that the guy was offering me. And I was like, yeah, I, I can't do that. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just, this isn't, I don't feel like it's right. He's like, okay. So I walked out of there, denied that job that paid more, but would have taken more time away from my family. And what God had for me a couple years down the road was two incredible raises and a job that I can work my own schedule, take off when I want. And just last week when the weather was nice, I was able to say, I'm taking Wednesday off. It's a beautiful day. We're going to go to the beach. And so we did with our friends, and it was awesome. I wouldn't have been able to do that with that other position. I would have been, oh, I can't do it. I got to work. It's so cool to know that God is looking out for your very best interest and that he will supply what you need. Again, this is just just trying to go over some of this with you so that it will give you a taste of who God is so that it will pique your interest to try to dive in more on your own so that you will try to learn more on your own of who he is and these are just a few things and we're going to go over a couple few more next week but these are just a few things but I want to encourage you to do what God wants you to do and that's dive in dig into his word find out for yourself you know, who he is, who he says he is, and who he wants to be for you. It's one thing for me to speak to you and you to get a little bit of head knowledge. It's another thing for you to do it yourself and get that heart knowledge. And I listened to a lot of sermons and had these things rolling around in my brain, but to actually spend the time in God's word and in his presence and have him take it from here to here. That's when it changed everything for me. Let's stand. Now, the first step to having that knowledge of who God is so that you can trust him is to have a relationship with him. And that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if you have never made that commitment to Jesus, if you never asked him into your life, or maybe you did at one point, but you have walked away and you want to reconnect with him again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to make that commitment to him, can you just lift your hand up, wave at me? Is there anybody here like that? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. 
Thank you. All right, we're going to pray a prayer together right now. And I just want to let you know this isn't just, these aren't magic words that you can just kind of sprinkle on your life. But if you believe in your heart what you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. So let's pray this together, everybody together. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place. Jesus, thank you that you gave up your life so that I could be free. Forgive me of all my sins. And Jesus, today, from this day forward, I promise to serve you. Be my king, be my boss, be my Lord, and be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. If you made that decision for the very first time today or reconnected with God, the best thing you could ever do, now I encourage you to get to know him more on your own. We're going to take a little time of worship here. If I could have the altar team come up. If you made that decision to come to know Christ, I want you to come up and tell somebody. Or if you want prayer for anything, please come up and get prayer. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another week. Let God do a work in you this morning. We're just going to enter into his presence right now and let him be known by us. God is a good God. 
He wants the very best for you. He wants you to trust him that he wants the very best for you. And the only way that you can trust him is to know him. So I encourage you again, do your research. Check through the reviews on your own. Dive into his word. Dive into his presence. Know who he is so that you can trust him to be who he says he is. I just want to pray for us as we dismiss. Lord God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord God, that we can trust you to be who you say you are. And I just ask right now, Lord, that you would um, just press upon us to want to, to give us that desire, Lord God, to want to know you more, that we would take the next steps, Lord God, to know you more, that we would not stay at the surface level with you anymore, Lord God, that we would get past, Lord God, just high house the weather, but Lord, that we would dive into your presence, we would dive into your word, and that we would know, Lord God, in our spirit who you are so that we can trust you when the time is needed, Lord God. I thank you for what you've done here this morning. I ask, Lord God, that you would just bless each and every person as they walk out that door. Let us be changed and transformed by the power of your presence, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. You are dismissed. One other thing, really quick. I was excited about this message today. I'm really excited about next week's message. You're going to want to be here as I kind of finish this kind of crash course up on who God is. But uh, yeah, hope to see you next week. Enjoy your Sunday.